Salah de la Hassan Show Enrique Barnes, ¿sí? Presidente es el mejor cerveza y 818 es el mejor tequila. No abete por No Filter Network. Miguelito Sandiaguito, a.k.a. Bobby Bojo, not with us today. But, dead or alive, job or no job, we properly salute our boy. Yes, 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 yes. Woo! Remember this, folks? When we are juiceful, we are useful. And when we are juiceless, we are fucking useless. It's as simple as that. A very pleasant good morning to you. Today is Thursday, September the 28th, 2023. And... Of course, we are sponsored by not only 818 Tequila, but KT Tape. We got the skin prep wipes. We have the Pro Oxygen Tape to go ahead and increase blood flow to any certain areas that may be sore, uh, as well as the blister prevention. This is a whole starter kit for KT Tape. And if you guys are interested, I'm pretty sure I have that banner hanging over my head. Hit the QR code. And don't forget to pick yourself up some Chafe Safe. That's right. Maximum chafing protection, fast application, sweat, and water resistant. Uh, today, we have the quote of the day. When you reach the end of your rope, Tie a knot and hang on FDR. I love that. One of my favorites. Every now and again, I'll read one quote and boom, that's it. And I've used this before, but it is, I think in life, one of the key elements to survival because I think there's so many times where we all feel like we've reached the end of our rope and if FDR was not the perfect president to go ahead and exemplify that as it seemed like he had nine terms in office I believe it was only three uh, but still I think there's certain times where we do have to let go of the rope which we will all come to that crossroads. But I also believe there is a time to tie that knot and hang the fuck on, man. Because life's not easy. And we will all go through these ups and downs. But ultimately, if we are able to do whatever it is to hang on and survive the difficult times and the storms and whatever else we may deal with this, not necessarily what happens to us, but how we react. Well, if we react with that grit and uh, vigor, I think that definitely is a positive in all of our lives. The what the fuck fact of the day. This is a good one. Peanut butter can be turned into diamonds. <laughs> Are you serious? Through a scientific process called high 
pressure, high temperature synthesis, peanut butter can be transformed into tiny artificial diamonds. But hold on a second. Who said anything about artificial? Who would have thought that a delicious spread could have such potential? I'm a peanut butter lover. I love peanut butter. If there was one item that say, hey, here, like for the rest of your life, this is what you're going to have to eat. I think peanut butter is it. It's right up there with tacos. So to think that you could also now transform them into diamonds, although artificial, it just got even more valuable. The riddle of the day, two fathers and two sons went fishing one day. They were there the whole day and only caught three fish. One father said, that is enough for all of us. We will have one each. How can this be possible? So I gave this to Chloe last night, my eldest daughter. She's 14. And without even really thinking about the answer, there was no hesitation in her response. And that, of course, is that there was a father, his son, and his son's son. So that equals two fathers and two sons for a total of only three people. All right. We're a life optimization podcast first and foremost. So before we get into today's Sports stories, including the Thursday night football game that will go over all of the gambling necessities that you will need before placing your action for tonight. We're going to hit up the nine phrases we want to be using. So we went over these toxic phrases yesterday and it have taken up the whole show. So we're going to get through these a little bit faster, but there's nine phrases here that Instead of wanting to avoid, like the ones we talked about yesterday, these are nine phrases that are going to increase our etiquette skills. And here we go. Actions may speak louder than words, but words still matter a lot. Now, this is John Bow is a contributor to this CNBC article, by the way. People can get easily offended. And if you rush around like most folks, it's easy to say the wrong thing in the wrong way. As a public speaking expert, one thing I focus on is teaching good speech manners. There are nine phrases in particular that instantly show appreciation and respect. If you use any of them every day, you have better etiquette skills than most people. All right, number one, what I'm hearing you say is people don't expect you to agree with everything they say, but they do want to know they've been heard and understood. Use this phrase to clear your mind and confirm that you did consider their words before responding. If they spoke in a vague way, the first time, you'll give them a chance to focus their thoughts and contribute more meaningfully to the conversation. I like this because it's not instantly agreeing with what they've said, but 
It's letting them know that they've been hurt. I could do this a lot better. Callie likes to talk a lot. That's my middle. And I think sometimes as parents, and I can't just throw terror under the bus like this too, but when there's a lot coming at you, you don't necessarily digest all of it. And so I've been trying to make a conscious effort recently to make sure I listen to her. Because when I don't, it just comes more and more. And so a good way to go back and sum everything up and say what she would be saying is for me to come back and say, oh, wait, hold, hold on a second. So, honey, so what you're saying is, and then it just rehashes everything. All right. Number two, you may be right. Hmm. This phrase helps pave the way for disagreement, as in you might be right. But let's experiment with this new idea this time. It's also helpful responding to off-topic comments and remarks from hyperactive colleagues who talk way too much. No one likes to be negated. And a simple affirmation allows conversations to proceed without disharmony. Yeah, you don't have to say the right. It's, it's possibly, yeah, that's a... Again, this is a view that we may look further into. Uh, number three, you were right. I was wrong. This is a tough one because nobody likes to admit when they're wrong. It says this phrase is a gold star of conversational selflessness for two reasons. Number one, it's impossible to say these words unless you mean them. And number two, their music to people's ears. It is a great tool for diffusing tension, clearing the slate, and earning respect. Surrender your ego to win the bigger fight for more productive, authentic relationships. Number four, thank you for doing this. Old school, elegant, and simple. It's a world where gratitude, respect, and acknowledgement are hard to come by. It pays to be generous with praise if you want to encourage good behavior force yourself to acknowledge it when you see it one of the things my dad said when i first had kids was make sure you catch them doing something right and i can't tell you how often i have to go back to that phrase and remind myself, dude, catch him doing something right. Catch him doing something. Because everything, everything I catch them doing, at least in my mind, is fucking wrong. And it's like, well, do this or do that. Like, there are all these little nitpicky sort of things. And it's like, I can't, you can't keep harping over and over and over. I also feel, though, that if I'm not saying these things or sharing these things, then I'm not doing my duty as a parent. And I think that's okay. But if we do catch them doing things wrong, which we do often, let's make sure we catch them doing something right. Number, let's see here. Number five. And then that, and then that goes along with the thank you for doing this, which was the phrase. And that could be taking the trash out. It could be doing their dishes. It could be cleaning the room. Uh, all of the little things. And especially when you notice they did something that maybe they don't 
normally do. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, okay. Yeah, that was cool. I mean, Callie, for example, just did the dishes the other night. Unsolicited. Really super cool. All right. Number five, I'll leave you to it. Sometimes the hardest and most helpful thing you can do is overcome your impulse to control. If someone is chopping carrots rather than landing a plane, offer this simple gesture of trust, especially if your first thought is that you have a better technique, which I always do. Say it like you mean it and do it with a smile. Okay. If you do have something that could be helpful, I think it's okay to share it. But yeah, sometimes people want to do things their way and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that at all. So let's go ahead and leave them to it. And then you tell them. If you want a better way to do it, just follow me. Number six, can you help me with something? This is a big one. And nobody realizes this. When you ask somebody for a favor, and I know this sounds crazy, but you're actually endearing yourself to them. And it's funny because all of us are afraid to ask. I know I am. I don't like asking for favors, but when we do, it reflects positively upon us with that other person. Well, wow, man, what a you know cool thing that this person would think to ask me for this or this or this. So it says no one likes to be barked or ordered around, but most of us enjoy being asked for help. Note the difference between saying take out the garbage versus, Hey, I'm overwhelmed. Can I ask you to help me by taking out the garbage? That is a nice way, but just overall, just asking even for advice or anything, uh, you'd be shocked at how that will endear you to that other person. Number seven, your hair, shirt, tie, etc., looks so nice today. Just simple compliments. Don't lie, but do look for the good. People like compliments, even when they act like they don't. We're all aging. We're all stressed. We all worry that we forget something about our appearance. It's nice to hear that we did something right once in a while. Yes, totally agree. So basically, uh, for a number of years now, I've made it a point each day to try to compliment a stranger. And it's not always a stranger, but you find something little. It doesn't have to be big. And pretty soon, it's not even like I'm doing this just to fulfill my obligation and commitment I made to myself saying I would do this. But I now find it just being natural where if I'm walking down the street and I go, oh man, you know, sick Mets hat, right? What, like Whatever it is, and I throw it out there, There's always something, at least one a day of doing that. So make that part of your routine. It definitely, look, look, we're going to get back what we throw out. And so have you ever noticed when you're walking down the street and it's like, and you're getting back or you walk down the street and just, 
put a smile on your face. That's it. I did this experiment in New York City one time. And I was running on the West Side Highway. And I literally, I mean, I, I counted 100 people, whatever it was. And the looks I got when I was just running like this, smiling, I would try to make eye contact with them. And the people I would make eye contact with, with the smile were like, like they, they don't, almost didn't know what to do because it's so fucking on New York. It was a social experiment. And I realized, though, that, look, you're going to get back what you give out. So when you're giving out that love, positivity, good vibes, good feelings, you're immediately going to receive it back, even from somebody that, say, may not be in that state of mind. Even when they there are so focused like this, I still would see this little something come back. So, all right, number eight here. That's interesting. Even the melodic, prosodic flow of these words demands a slowdown, a bow to the speaker of sorts. Before the conversation continues, it's an acknowledgement that something was said, heard, and considered. That's interesting. You know what else it means? It means we're fucking listening. So if you say, huh, that's interesting. And don't just say that that's interesting. Because I've done that before. You guys are what I'm talking about too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's interesting. Is that meanwhile, like I got my phone over here and I'm scrolling. So if we listen to what they have to say, and we truly do think it's interesting, come up with a follow-up, a short follow-up, just to let them know we are interested. Okay, number nine, say nothing at all. When someone says something rude or ignorant and you're dying to lash back, remember the power of I'm rubber and you're glue. Be rubber. Take a deep breath. Chalk the words up as somebody else's issue and walk away. John Bowe is a speech trainer, award-winning journalist and author of I Have Something to Say, Mastering the Art of Public Speaking in an Age of Disconnection. He has contributed to The New Yorker, The New York Times Magazine, GQ, McSweeney's, The American Life, and many others. So, great article. Again, this is after yesterday going over all the phrases that we shouldn't be saying. We go over nine that we could. And the say nothing at all, this worked for me yesterday. So, I was out of the pickleball court. Yes, my new favorite place to be. And I'm playing with Biscuit. So, he's getting frustrated. Like, really frustrated. And we've had some battles on the court before. And now, I'm definitely still a lot better than him. I'm better than him at this point. I'll say a lot's not the right word. But I'm better than him. And if I'm on top of my game, it's really difficult for him to beat me. So yesterday, I was on top of my game. I was freaking banging my forehand. I, I have this nice little brand new drop shot. I think I spoke about it yesterday. This is your uh, pickleball uh, destination. I, I think I'm going to start a whole show on pickleball here on No Filter Network. So, mm. anyhow, I'm ripping forehands. <laughs> ripping. 
drives that are going in too. So if he tries to get out of the way, they're 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 sinking in. If he's in front of them, it's like almost too hot to handle. My backhands. I have this new thing where I'm kind of holding my racket at the last second and just slaughtering the ball. So he was getting really frustrated. He's banging the ball and he's doing this and that. And before I would tell you that, you know, as his father, his playing partner, whatever, I would have said something like, dude, like, get over it, bro. And I just let him go and he threw a, a little bit of a temper tantrum. And I just kept smiling and kept playing. It kept smiling. It kept playing. I mean, I probably was smiling because I was playing so fucking well. But eventually I looked over and he was smiling. And I don't know what he was smiling about or laughing about, or I was smiling about or laughing about. But we went from this just high contentious sort of situation, which has happened a lot on a pickleball court. It happens. There's a lot of emotions and everything going on. And it went from that to both of us just laughing. And I just thought that was really, really cool. So, okay, the top party colleges ranked by the Wall Street Journal. This is an article I was not going to let pass. It may not make a ton of sense uh, to you. Because it didn't to me, but there were some recognizable schools on here. Uh, there were a couple of schools, though, that I'd never heard of. And maybe I'm living under a rock out here on the West Coast. <laughs> but I don't know. The top U.S. colleges for party. I mean, do we go, do we go 20 to 1? Let's do that. Let's go backwards. University of Kansas. So this is, I imagine this is KU, right? This is Trent, my neighbor down the street, uh, went to Kansas. And he. it's funny because he just asked me the other day if I wanted to go to a Kansas basketball game. It sounds like a, an amazing experience. I know their basketball team is just obviously one of the best programs in the history of a NC2A, so it's University of Kansas, Jackson State University. Don't know a ton about Jackson State other than Neon Dion. The Ohio State University, that's number 18. Augustana, Augustana College, Augustana College is number 17. Never heard of it. University of Georgia, of course, we've heard of. That's number 16. Prairie View A&M. Number 15, okay, this is where I, I mean, I've got to question this a little bit. Florida Agricultural and Mechanical University, number 14. I guess because you're getting farmers and mechanics getting after it. I don't know, do farmers and mechanics like to party? Regardless, that's number 14. Colgate University is number 13. North Carolina A&T, number 12. Now, I do put, uh, there's, there's, there's definitely credibility to this list because number 11 is what I would consider 
probably the number one party school in the state of California, UC Santa Barbara. So I'm glad to see they made the list. They are at number 11. If you've ever been to Isla Vista, IV, they call it. It is a really good time. Number 10 is Alcorn State. Number nine, University of Dayton. Number eight, Washington and Lee University. Number seven, uh-oh, LaRocca, Lyle, Tulane University. Oh, my buddy's daughter just went to Tulane. She's a freshman there. She's absolutely loving it. And that is the seventh ranked best party school in the country. Number six. Well, folks, Kowalski and I spent plenty of nights out here. Savannah State University. Savannah's a fun town. There's no other way to put it. Number five, Tarleton State University. Like, what the fuck is Tarleton State? Where is Tarleton State? Am I even saying it right? And how did they end up in the top five? Good for them. I'm not judging because I don't know. I don't know all the criteria that went into this. I guess we'd go over it after I'm done revealing. Uh, number four, James Madison University. I mean, other than being our fourth president, I don't know much more about James Madison. Number three, Birmingham Southern College. Number two, this is fantastic. Texas Christian University, number two, TCU. So you have a Christian university as the second-ranked party school in the country. And then number one, you ready for this, Henry Markin? Indiana University of Pennsylvania. That's right. Not Indiana University of Evansville or wherever the fuck Indiana University actually is. Indiana University of Pennsylvania. Never heard of it. No clue. So just from my personal experience, I will tell you a few that have been left off the list. Where's Arizona State? Like, hello, Tempe, Scottsdale. They have sorority houses. They have fraternity houses. I, I mean, come on. A state has got to be there. U of A? Have anyone ever been to Dirtbags? I've always had an amazing time at U of A. So those are two that just have no reason being left off this list. Let's try to see here. I want to get some criteria. I'll say this, though. They have the bottom colleges. It says, in, in addition to University of Alaska Anchorage, the lowest-ranked schools. So, University of Alaska Anchorage was at the bottom. I mean, come on. There's got to be something going on in Alaska, right? Uh, the other lowest-ranked schools, Seattle Pacific University, the University of St. Thomas in Texas, Muskingum University in Ohio and the University of San Francisco. But how could that be a shitty 
party school too because let's just say you're 21. How far is the marina from USF? 10 minutes? Dude, it's a cool party scene. As much as I don't, as as much as, look, San Francisco's a beautiful city. San Francisco's got fucking issues, like serious fucking issues. Uh, by the way, they're closing three more Target stores in the San Francisco Bay Area, as well as there's one in New York and a couple more in Seattle because of the theft problem. So as much as San Francisco has its major, major issues, it's a gorgeous city. And I've always really enjoyed myself in that marina area. So, let's see here. Let's get on into Thursday night football. Better's delight. Lions versus Packers. Week four, the odds, the bets, and predictions for Thursday night football. But Detroit is a road favorite in Green Bay as it goes for its fourth straight win over the NFC North rival. Think about that. And Giuseppe Pepe Manuele came out with a video last night. He's not going to be running his Pepe's Parlay show today. He's actually going to be running it tomorrow. But he loves the Detroit Lions. Wow. I mean, it's it's just a bold statement figuring they are favorites on the road in Green Bay. The winner of Thursday's Lions-Packers game will take sole possession of first place in the FC North. At 2-1, and one, Detroit and Green Bay have already pulled ahead of their competition. The division, the Vikings and the Bears are both still winless. Now, the Lions and Packers are set to meet under the lights at Lambeau Field on short rest. Detroit, which has won three in a row against Green Bay, is a one-and-a-half point road favorite. The total is set at 44-and-a-half. Per the SI Sportsbook, the last time these teams met was in January when the Lions pulled off a 2016 upset in the season finale to keep the Packers out of the playoffs and effectively ended Aaron Rodgers' Packers career. The Lions versus Packers odds, a money line, it's Lions minus 125. If I'm going to take anything, it would be the money line. I hate laying short odds, like the minus one and a half, minus two, and then they end up winning by one. It's just a fucking heartbreaker. The Packers are plus 105. If you're wanting to back the pack, so to speak, I would buy that number up, get three at home. The spread is Detroit minus one and a half, minus 110. Green Bay plus one and a half, minus 118. Total 44 and a half. Uh, I don't have a great feeling on that one way or another. I'd have to look at the weather that's going down in Green Bay. Uh, Here's a few of the key stats and fun facts. The Packers are one of three teams that are 3-0 against the spread. Hmm. No, that's bound to end. The Lions were only installed as road favorites once last season a game they lost 37-23 to the Panthers. Detroit quarterback Jarrett Goff ranks fifth in the NFL in passing yards. I like Goff. Green Bay linebacker Rashawn Gary is tied for six most sacks in the league, three and a half. Detroit rebounded in a big way on Sunday and handed Atlanta its first defeat of the year. The Lions' defense surrendered 37 points the week before in an overtime loss to the Seahawks at home. That same unit 
limited the Falcons to two field goals in a 20-6 win on Sunday. The most impressive was how Detroit limited Atlanta's rushing attack. The Falcons were held at 44 yards on 20 carries, and rookie Bijan Robinson was bottled up with David Montgomery. Uh, Sideline, the Lions turned to rookie Jamar Gibbs, who gained 80 yards and 17 carries. Goff was dialed into his top two targets. More than two-thirds of his thrills went to Amon Ra St. Brown and first-year tight end Sam Laporta as he finished with 243 yards of touchdown and interception to go along with a rushing touchdown. Gibbs might find more success on the ground this week against Green Bay, which is tied for the fifth-worst rushing defense in the league with Carolina and allowed over 200 yards in a 25-24 Week 2 loss to Atlanta. The Packers are, however, one of 11 teams that allow less than 200 yards per game. Pro Bowl quarterback Jire Alexander was out last week, and his status for Thursday is unknown. On the other side of the ball, Jordan Love is leading the efficient offense and takes good care of the ball. Seven touchdowns versus one interception. He led a game-winning drive against a tough Saints defense on Sunday. Green Bay trailed 17-0 at the start of the fourth quarter, but Love put together a comeback that culminated in a late touchdown to Romeo Dobbs. Love's 39 rushing yards led the team against New Orleans. The Packers are a bottom 10 rushing offense and have been without Aaron Jones hamstring for the last two games. So anyhow, that's going to be a fun game tonight. I'll stick with Giuseppe, Pepe, Manuele, and let's take the Lions. Let's money line them, though, and lay the 125. All right, a wild Wednesday in Major League Baseball. Uh, Ronald Acuna Jr. stole his 70th base of the season, making him the first player in the history of MLB to hit 40 home runs and steal 70 bases. He did it in the 10th inning playing against the Cubs. When he got to second base, he jiggled the bag out of the ground, hoisted it over his head. And my first thought when I saw him do this was, Holy shit. Look at the size of that fucking bag. I mean, this thing was a body pillow. I couldn't believe it. So immediately I made an IG video on it. And I can't help but think how many bases Ricky Henderson would have stolen had he had those bases. Now, I love the fact that MLB changed it. I'm not against it. I'm totally for it. But if we're going to compare stealing bases now compared to stealing bases then, like the only way to do this going forward is going to be through some kind of algorithm saying, well, this person had this amount of bases and this year compared to this. Like, this is totally different, right? It's not the same game. When you increase the base size by that much and you have these limited pickoff rules and all this other bullshit, which I'm not even against. I'm, I'm for it. I, I like the changes because I like the running. But 
I was reading yesterday, and I brought this up on the Daily Hustle. There's like 17 2020 guys right now. They're saying there's a record number of 2020 guys in the minor leagues. This used to be a, like 2020 used to be a thing. And not to say this, not, I mean, 17 out of all the position players across Major League Baseball, it's not this astronomical number, but it is crazy, you know, how many guys are ripping bags at will. So after Acuna stole his 70th base and then hoisted the bag up there, there was a video montage that was played for Acuna in Atlanta. Well, here we are in the 10th inning of a nail-biting game. It was 5-5. The Cubs are fighting for the fucking postseason. Every game matters. The Braves are riding off in the sunset. They don't give a shit. They don't even care about this game, really. Win or lose, it doesn't make that big of a difference. The Dodgers ain't catching them. They have home field throughout the playoffs. They're good. Well, they have their celebration. And they're basically icing the Cubs. And so the Cubs have to sit here and go through all of this. And then on the next batter, Ozzy Albies, he rips one into right field. Acuna. Comes racing around, head first dive in the corner of home plate. Ball game. The Cubs lose. If I'm a Cubs fan, fuck that. I'm pissed. I am absolutely irate. Look, you stole the 70th base. Congratulations. Awesome. Even if you want the bag, take the bag out, put a new bag in. Let's go. But. A video fucking montage in the middle of a game in extra innings when my team's fighting to get into the dance? No, that's not acceptable. It's over the top. Like, no, no, no. Never. If you want to do a video montage, you do it the next day before the fucking game. You do not do it during a game. No. And as much as I respect the 4070, I think it's. Super cool. Super rare. I mean, obviously, super rare. It's never happened before. This wasn't breaking Barry Bonds' all-time home run record. Right? I mean, that's all I can think. This We're not breaking Pete Rose's all-time hit record. It would have to be something so astronomical like that to do any sort of video montage for anything in the middle of a fucking game in X-ray innings. Nonetheless, so Cubbies fans, I'm with you. Look, I I don't know how this thing's going to turn out, but you guys have had a rough couple days between Suzuki dropping the fly ball that I went over yesterday and basically blocked himself off from it, ball got in the lights, and having that cost you the game yesterday, and then now there's going to be a lot of Cubs fans going back and pointing to this and saying this video montage and Look, maybe they lose anyway, but when Acuna was on second base, he was a runner at second base and one out is basically what it was. So there was no guarantee it was going to take a hit to score him. It wasn't like he was on third base and there's all these different ways he could have scored. So I do think that that played a factor. 
into it. So it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. I'm 100% on board. I'm rooting for the Cubs. I just am. I, look, David Ross, a buddy of mine, I'm going to be on that. I, Cubs or Marlins, like who do you want to see in the postseason? Phillies are in. Diamondbacks are going to be in. And we're essentially now looking at the Cubs or the Marlins. Another incident that took place yesterday that I did a video on this morning was Hector Neris striking out J-Rod, Julio Rodriguez. And then after he struck him out, he basically like sprinted up to him and was talking shit. And J-Rod kind of turns like, whoa, what? Like he didn't even expect it. And then Neris went back to the dugout. Look, enough of the tough guy bullshit. Uh, the act's tired. If you're going to strike somebody out, you want to say something, I, look, that's fine. That, to, you want to dig your own grave and, and, and you want to go down that road? You do you. But the moment you fucking start charging at somebody, now it's on. Now it. If you ask me, it's somebody literally like coming to attack you. And so if you're coming to attack me, I'm going to defend myself. So immediately, if I saw Neris come at me like that, I would have dropped my shit and then, boom, taking his ass out. Don't come at another man like that, especially after you already struck him out. Uh, so I was, uh, anyhow, it, look, this has plagued baseball for a long ass time. The fake tough guy thing. And the solution that I proposed was phone booth boxing. I had a video sent to me a couple weeks ago and I don't know what to do with it. It's one of the most fantastic things I've ever seen though. Two guys somewhere in Eastern Europe. In the in the in a phone booth, they go back to back, and then they turn around. Is I mean, this shit ends quick. One guy drops, and that's it. Can you imagine that if you had Hector Neris and J Rod, and you get in a situation like this, you take the two of them, you go back to back, put them in the phone booth, put boxing gloves on them. Oh, it'd be so fucking fantastic. It sure as shit would get rid of the fake tough guy. I promise you that. So. Anyhow, uh, that was a game in which Houston went on to win. So let's take a look at the scores here from yesterday. Then we'll go over the games for today. It was Arizona 3-0 over the White Sox. The Mets 11-2 over Miami. So they had the doubleheader, though. Miami came back. They won the finale uh, 4-2. Then it was Cleveland 4-3 over Cincinnati. So Cincinnati pretty much has just sealed their fate. Tampa 5-0 over Boston. Baltimore wins again 5-1 over Washington. Detroit 4-0 over Kansas City in a meaningless game. The Phillies 7-6 over the Pirates. Yankees 6-0. So they're going to be above 500. At or above 500 no matter what. 6-0 over the Bluebirds. Uh, the Cubs, I mentioned that game. They lost 6-5. The Minnesota Twinkies, 6-4 over the A's. Milwaukee, 3-2 over St. Louis. The Dodgers, 8-2 over Colorado. 
Texas 5-0 over Anaheim, so they win when they need to. And then Houston 8-3 over Seattle, and the Giants go down to the San Diego Padres, and they're now behind them. Now They now have a worse record than the Padres. Holy shit. San Francisco 78-81. The best they could do is 500. San Diego is 79-80, and 80, so there's a chance that they end up finishing over 500. So taking a look at what the standings look like, it's the Orioles, the Rangers, and the Twins on top of their divisions. And then the AL wild card is the Rays, the Blue Jays, and the Astros. The Mariners are now a game and a half back. So a game and a half with, geez, three, four to play here is tight. Not easy to make up, but we shall see. It's the Braves, Dodgers, and Brewers. They've all clinched their divisions. And then you have the Phillies, the Diamondbacks. The Diamondbacks are two up on the Cubs and the Marlins, and the Cubs and the Marlins are now officially tied. And then you have the Reds, a game and a half back. So they're pretty much in a similar situation that Seattle is. So let's look at the games for today. It's going to be Oakland at Minnesota, Arizona at Chicago, St. Louis at Milwaukee, Kansas City at Detroit, Pittsburgh at Philly, Boston at Baltimore. The Yankees at Toronto, Miami at the Mets. So that's going to be a big one. The Cubs back at Atlanta. Another huge one in the ATL. Dodgers at Colorado. Texas at Seattle. So, wow. I mean, this is just going to continue to get bigger and bigger uh, with Texas and Seattle going at it. And then Kansas City uh, versus Detroit. I guess this is going to be a double header that's going to be made up. But this is top five, and the game is suspended. And Texas and Seattle, I mean, they're playing all weekend. Jeez, they'll have a four-game set leading on into the end of the season. So, hey, a lot can happen. I mean, Seattle, the ball is basically in their court. Mm. Started the show at 9 a.m. Pacific time, which means we're out of time. We got to roll. Everyone have a fantastic day and leave you with a little James Allen serenity. And by the way, for all those in the chat this morning, JD, RJ, what's up, dude? Boise, Idaho in the house. Uh, we got John Emmanuel Ramos, Henderson and Makati City. International once again, motherfuckers. Serenity. James Allen has a man thinking. Calmness of mind is one of the most beautiful jewels of wisdom. It is the result of long and patient effort in self-control. Its presence is an indication of ripened experience and of a more than ordinary knowledge of the laws and operations of thought. Keep calm. Carry on, everybody. That's it. Have a fantastic day. See you tomorrow morning.